Good morning, everybody. Sorry for the noise on the mic. Just trying to get it set up. Speaking of a noisy mic, my name's Mike. And I am a noisy mic. At least sometimes. Can be. Been known to be. All right. Good morning. Just, uh finished a see hopefully we're not gonna be too noisy in the car but probably will be a little bit today I got junk rolling around the back unfortunately something that sounds like a squeaky mouse otherwise my guitar is in a precarious position all right let's see whoa all right so uh yeah my name's a noisy my Mike. That might be a neat name for a podcast, actually. M-I-C. Microphone as in Mike. Uh, yeah, and uh, this is Driving Theology, and I'm on my way to work here. And uh, just want to chat with you guys about some vaguely theological things. Uh, I was trying to finish an article that I uh, shared, reposted on Facebook, but couldn't get through the whole article yet. I reposted it just so I wouldn't lose it because I know it's a good article. And I knew it was long and wouldn't have time to do it. I still haven't found the time to do it. I've been reading through, I don't know if I mentioned this, The Lord of the Rings uh, for maybe the first time or maybe the second time. <laughs> There's uh, some debate uh, as to whether I read this once or not. So uh, I, back when The Lord of the Rings... Um, movies came out. Uh, of course, there was a big buzz about Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings movies and a lot of excitement. And uh, of course, they were great movies. And, and really, they're probably uh, my favorite movies. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think they probably beat the original Star Wars trilogy, uh, any Batman or Marvel movies that I like as well. I, I like movies. But there's just something about the Lord of the Rings that is deep and dark. And, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings doesn't really have a happy ending, per se. I mean, the world is better uh, than it was when they started in the Lord of the Rings, right? The world is a better place. They leave it a better place than it was when... Uh, when the when the story began but you know there's a cost to that there, there's a there's a human cost um, to the characters right the the ordeals that they go through in order to make the world a better place uh, take a toll on them uh, or you might say take a troll on them anyway uh, <laughs> but anyway uh, the reason there's a debate, so I, I own uh, three Lord of the Rings books, and I thought that I had one of each, but when it came time to read the, uh, well, when it came time to reread these books, I looked at the books I had, and I remember having read them about 20 years ago. That was my first time to read the Lord of the Rings about 20 years ago. 
So when I went to read them again, uh, I read through the first book and I started looking at the collection I had and I noticed one book was really bigger than the other two. It was a different series of books, right? You know how very often uh, books are released in, you know, different times and they, they package them differently and, you know, different size books and different uh, cover art and things like this. Anyway, I looked at them and the, one of the books was uh, actually just a different version of uh, The Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first book. So I had two first books and one second book. I didn't have the third book, which is Return of the King and the Two Towers. So anyway, my daughter, the reason I wanted to read these books again is my daughter gifted me for my birthday and Christmas a special edition single volume of The Lord of the Rings. It's, it's one book with all three. As you know, The Lord of the Rings is really one big book that they separate into three books sometimes. So, Anyway, so I was gifted uh, a very special edition book, which is beautiful, hard hardbound with interesting artwork uh, and embossing and all that stuff. Um, so I thought, yeah, it's a good time to reread, but that book was just too big to read from. So I read from my smaller versions, and I really didn't want to damage that book by reading it because it's, it's really quite special. So Anyway, so I am now almost finished with The Lord of the Rings. Uh, Frodo has, uh, you know, just had his finger bitten off as Gollum uh, uh, snatched the ring for himself and, and fell into the fires of Mount Doom and the ring has been destroyed and Sauron has been uh, defeated and all that good stuff. But as I've been reading The Return of the King, I, I realized I don't remember any of this. Like, I don't remember re reading any of that. And I think what happened is I read the first two uh, and probably the the release of the Return of the King, uh, the movie came out. The last, the third movie came out, and I decided to watch it. And since I watched it, I was like, well, you know, I probably intended to read the third book at some point to to get it and to read it, but I, it looks like I never did. But you know, twenty years is a long time, and I forget what went on back then, and you know exactly what. <laughs> what was going on? You know, 10 years ago, I might have remembered, but my memory told me that I had read all three books. Uh, and, you know, that, and that was a feather in my cap. I, I think reading uh, great works of uh, literature uh, is something to be, it's not something to be proud of, it's something I take pride in, and maybe I shouldn't, but I enjoy reading uh, the great works, right? I enjoy uh talking about literature a lot. So, in my memory, I had read all three books, but I'm pretty sure I'd never read The Return of the King. And so, uh, reading it this time was really great. And it, 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 you know, some people, I realized they knew the books well, and then the movies came out, and they had a lot to criticize the movies for. And I get that. Uh, I think probably I watched the movies first uh, and then so the books were awesome and wonderful but all I could do is appreciate how much they got right like 
even in the Return of the Kings, there, of course, there's a lot of detail in the books that doesn't come out in the movies, but uh, but there's a lot they got right and a lot they did well, and it's pretty amazing. And the and the artistic uh, license they took uh, with parts of it, I can also see why they did it. You know, uh, certainly the fall of Mordor is more dramatic in the movie than it is in the book. That's not always the case. Books can be incredibly dramatic because, you know, they they take over your um, imagination, and, and there's really no boundaries to your imagination. But the fall of, uh, especially um, Sauron's tower, Orodruin, maybe. I don't never remember the name of his tower. Isengard is so easy to remember, but Sauron's tower's name always eludes me. Anyway, the fall of that in the movie was incredibly dramatic. I mean, just amazing. Uh, the book, he kind of talks about things that happened, but when you see it in the movie, uh, you know, as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. And... and uh, Lord of the Rings is barely a thousand pages, so <laughs> anyway, anyway, it's a wonderful book, wonderful series. I, I would like as soon as I finish it, I, I think I'll do maybe a a uh, podcast series on my reflections of having read the Lord of the Rings again, and uh, maybe even do some reading around the Lord of the Rings. I I, I still need to to read the Hobbit uh, and the. Cimmerillion, I think is it. Cimmerillion, I haven't read yet either. Uh, I think I'd like to read those to get a little more background and context. But anyway, yeah, I, I think I might like to do that and uh, talk about theology uh, in Tolkien. Because there's a lot of stuff there. And uh, because Tolkien wrote with such uh, attention to detail, you know that things that were happening in his world uh, he must have been talking about at least on some level at least on some level you know I don't see how that could not be the case so yeah I think I would like to uh, do a series on that but I'll wait um, I think what I want to do today is talk about heaven uh, because the topic I really wanted to talk about was hell, but I did not finish that article, and so uh, I think I'm going to wait uh, and get a little more context before I um, revisit uh, that uh, hot <laughs> topic, pun intended. Uh, let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about uh, how your eschatology, um, in other words, what you think is going to happen uh, at some end time scenario uh, how it affects the way you live your life how it affects the way you treat people um, the concept of heaven that I grew up with was a spiritual afterlife where we went to uh, if we were approved of by God and the way we uh, were approved was uh, number one, uh, we had to hear uh, the gospel message. We had to believe 
believe in the gospel message or believe in God or believe in Jesus, it was always kind of vague. We had to realize that we uh, were sinful, that we needed a savior, that we needed to be saved by Jesus. And that's what we called repentance. Uh, and then we, we need to conf confess with our lips, confess with our mouth, right? To say that Jesus is Lord. We had to actually verbalize that. And then we had to be baptized in water, uh, completely immersed uh, for the remission of sins in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? This was, this was the path to salvation that was laid out for me in churches of Christ. It's very, we called it the five steps of salvation, right? It was very, very cut and dry. You know, you could kind of tick it off as you went. Um, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Later on, people realized that that was kind of an incomplete picture, and they added, and live a Christian life. <laughs> there was six steps. Like, you, you had to continue uh, living as a Christian. You couldn't just do it, do those five things, and then do whatever you want. No, you had to continue uh, living a Christian life. And therefore, Churches of Christ, by and large, did not believe in once saved, always saved, right? <clears throat> Which some people do believe in. Like if, if you're saved, if you ever get saved, then you're, you're covered. It doesn't matter what you do. It's, you, know, you don't have to keep second-guessing yourself. Just, just relax, realize that you, you did what you had to do, and then you're, you're safe, right? You're saved. Uh, this was salvation as it was laid out to me. Uh, and I believed it and lived by it, and it uh, it it made things really simple, in a sense. Um, uh, and then, if we did all that, and then we died after having lived a Christian life, we went to heaven. And as I said, it was a spiritual, ethereal kind of existence in the clouds. Uh, it was very vague. But basically, we would be uh, singing the praises of God nonstop, 24-7, for eternity. <laughs> there wouldn't be any 24-7 in eternity. I realize that. I'm still human. Um, but nonstop, we would sing the praises of God. There would be, you know, angels playing harps and, and lots of people singing. And perfect harmony, of course, coming from the Church of Christ. And... And uh, yeah, that that would that would be it, right? Um, as I got older, certain parts of this uh, wonderful, wonderfully laid out plan uh, started kind of you know I started seeing cracks in the plan, um, and one was this idea of heaven, right? So, as I started studying the scriptures more and more and really started learning more about Jesus and what he said specifically, not about what people told me the Bible said, but what, you know, really focusing in on Jesus' words, I really didn't get a lot of those ideas from him, right? Um, those were not the ideas that came to the forefront when I learned about Jesus. Jesus came 
uh, yes, uh, preaching repentance, uh, but he talked about entering the kingdom of heaven. And when I realized that the kingdom of heaven was a different concept than heaven, the heaven that I had been taught about, that I just described, I realized, wow, that's a pretty big difference, right? That there's, okay, so what is the kingdom of heaven? And what Jesus seemed to be saying, and did say at times, is that the kingdom of heaven was, number one, coming really soon, uh, and and it was amongst them, and and it was something that was going to happen to them while they were still alive, this kingdom of heaven. It was something, it was a, it was a new reality uh, that perhaps was going to be entering into the world uh, that was not there at the time uh, or was there in a almost like a seed form but that was going to be the reality going forward Uh, and it didn't talk about having to die to get there Jesus didn't talk about having to die to get there Uh, he talked about how uh, you know, if if the hungry were being fed or uh, if the, the sick were being healed, uh, then the kingdom of God was was there. That, you know, the kingdom of God was in the place where that was happening. And then we have the the um, the Lord's prayer, right? When the d- disciples asked Jesus to teach him, uh, teach them how to pray. He says, you know, he starts with what they would have recognized, you know, our Father in heaven, right? Father is in, in heaven, some other reality. Um, holy, your name is holy, right? You are different than us. You are set apart. But then he says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, that, that part of the Lord's Prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer is incredibly dense and deep. And I don't think we always know what to make of it. Your kingdom come, right? It's sort of like a hope, right? Or a, or a, a conjuring or an, or, or an asking or, a, you know, please send your kingdom. Your kingdom come to earth. Okay, he's asking for the kingdom to come to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, so another another way to say kingdom, right? Another, or let's say another another piece of evidence that the kingdom is where you are is that God's will is being done. Okay, and what is that will? Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God's will, presumably in heaven, is followed. Nothing in heaven goes against God's will. God's, whatever God's will is, it is completely sovereign in heaven and followed. But uh, outside of heaven on earth, presumably, we know that people sin and go against God's will. I think that's self-evident, right? If, if you believe there's a God, it's self-evident. Um, 
So what is that will? Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so people should be fed. Right? We need food. We need food and then forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. So forgive us for what we've done, but also help us to forgive. So we need food, we need to be forgiven, we need to forgive. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? Uh, we also would like to not be um, tempted, right? Uh, help us to, to avoid temptation. To avoid the evil one. Deliver us from evil. Right. So other other evil that happens to us that is perpetrated on us help us to escape, right? Give us rescue us from that. Uh, and then other manuscripts have for yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever. Amen. But this idea of kingdom is kind of laid out there. I don't think it's in its entirety, but it's at least a seed of the idea. Um that the kingdom of heaven is meant for the earth. It's meant for the earth. It's the reality of heaven um, meant to also affect the earth in the same way, right? Um, but, as I said, I never really had a theology of heaven before, aside from some ethereal, spiritual existence in the clouds, right? In some kind of other realm. It was different from the earth. In fact, we believe the earth would be completely destroyed and that, you know, our spirits would go off somewhere else and exist, right? Uh, I know it's kind of a caricature of, of the theology, but I actually think that's what a lot of people believe who haven't looked very deeply into it. But of course, we know that whatever is happening in the afterlife, these things are still true. God made the world. He said it was good. God made the world and it was good. Uh, John 3.16, God loves the world. Right? Uh, and so if God made the world and made us to be in the world, to live in the world, and God loves the world, uh, what I think is going to happen, and I think the, the Bible bears this out, uh, if you look for it, right? I'm going to say that right there. If you know what to look for, it's there. It's, it's there in the person of Jesus. It's Jesus is all about healing and reconciliation, right? That the world is going to be restored to a point where it does live by the sovereignty of God. And I don't mean sovereignty in a human way, overbearing and, and strict, and, you know, uh, un, unyielding and unwavering. I mean in a loving way. God's sovereignty is all about his love and the way he lavishes that on his creation. Um, and so heaven... And the kingdom of heaven are two different things. 
I think the church is meant to be, um, and I mean that broadly, uh, I should say groups of disciples of Jesus, or just disciples of Jesus is probably enough. Disciples of Jesus are meant to be that reality of heaven on earth, also known as the kingdom of heaven. Right? So wherever we go, the realities of the kingdom of heaven, that is people are being fed, people are brought near, people are forgiven, uh, people are um, restored and reconciled, right? Uh, There is peace, there is love, there is joy, there is self-control, there is self-sacrifice. All of those realities... Uh, which you could lump in the fruits of the Spirit as well as the things that Jesus did on earth. Uh, all of those things, wherever the th- those things are happening, the Spirit, the, the kingdom of God has come, right? Uh, and that's why Jesus says, you know, if the, all these things are happening, the kingdom of God is amongst you or, it, you know, it has come to you. So, yeah, uh, kingdom of heaven and heaven are really two different things, right? Uh, the kingdom of he- the, the the traditional, I don't even say traditional, that's, that's a bad way to say it. The uh, last hundred year or two hundred year idea of heaven uh, is not the kind of heaven that is about reconciliation the kind of heaven that's about cutting your losses right so it's almost like God made the world and it's good but humans destroyed it and God's not going to try to fix it he's going to let their destruction just keep going until finally he gives up and he just blows the hell out of it blows the hell out of it and literally uh, and, and sends a bunch of people to hell who made it that way, right? And then the people who are trying to do good, he gives them a new, uh, a new spiritual existence in some, you know, pink and, and uh, light blue, cloudy existence in the skies. Um, that's that's escapist theology. That's that's escapist eschatology. Um, but an eschatology of reconciliation, I think, is more in line with Jesus, more in line with the Gospels, uh, more in line with a correct understanding of Scripture uh, and theology and eschatology and all those things. Right? Um, now, don't confuse eschatology with estatology, which is all about beautiful skin. Sorry, I just had to say that. Every time I say eschatology, it makes me feel like I'm talking about somebody who, you know, works in a beauty shop or something. Anyway, um, heaven. You know, on the one hand, we do want to escape from this life that we're in, right? We do... We do want to escape from the the horrible things that happen in life, the natural disasters, the the human-made disasters, uh, 
the 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 shame and the and the you know the debt and uh, the political um, problems in our world and you know human trafficking and slavery and, and violence and war and disease of all things with corona going around right we we want to escape all this right we want to just be done and just go away but I don't think many people think about what it would be like to spend eternity up in the clouds what are you going to do for eternity are you suddenly not going to be you I mean you get bored if you don't have your phone in your hand for two minutes when's the last time you sat and just stared at the clouds for more than five minutes just meditated. We don't have the attention span for that kind of heaven. That's not going to happen. I mean, do they have Wi-Fi? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we're going to have no possessions? Really? And what are we going to do? You know, what, what are introverts going to do in that kind of place, you know? I, I'm being a little bit facetious. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in the in the new world when all things are restored, but I do think that this have this this heaven we're looking for. Uh, there's a great place for it, and it's called Earth. It's called an Earth restored to uh, to the kingdom of God, right? Where the kingdom of God goes from goes wraps all the way around the world in every direction. Where God's reality of abundance, healing, reconciliation, forgiveness, love, acceptance, right? When all those things happen uh, on this earth, I think we'll see that this earth is a pretty great place to be. And I still hope for, you know, for some upgrades. I, I, I do hope that, you know, whatever damage we've done to this world, that, that part of that reconciliation is going to be God um, fixing it. You know, it'd be great if he just fixed the damage we did. Um, but I do think that the the eschatology of heaven and hell that I received is really untenable. It really does not stand up to scrutiny. And scrutinize we must, right? We need to be sure about these things, but because these these kinds of things that we ask other people to follow have an effect on their lives. It's not like it's, you know, um, completely benign. Right? There are things that happen when you believe um, in things that are nonsense. Right, you, you have to jump through hoops and, and we've seen that the world has not become a better place just because we believe bad people are going to go to hell and be tortured for eternity. That has not made the world a better place. What has made the world a better place where it happens is, is forgiveness love real love that's what brings the healing to the world 
not the threat of eternal hell. Um, yeah, I really didn't want to talk about hell too much, but heaven. Uh, I only have a few more minutes. I'm about to get to work here. Although I'm about five minutes early today. That's nice. Um, and rare, if you know me. Yeah, I... My friend in... My friend Pat and I talked about this the other day, how, um, how's that going to work? Like, if this world is where we're going to be, and all the millions and billions of people, billions of people who have ever lived, uh, are going to be here with us, how's there going to be room for everybody? How is that going to work? You know, what, what's that going to look like? Think about the, the logistics, right? And you know, yes, I get that. It I, maybe, maybe, maybe this world will grow because of you know when it's when it's released from the bondage it's been in under poor human stewardship, right? Maybe the world will grow. You know, the Bible talks about, and I don't know what it means when it says this, but there will be no more sea, no more ocean. The ocean will be gone. So if the ocean's gone. And all that ocean is land. That's going to increase the land mass of this world by a whole lot. And if you combine that with the fact that uh, the Bible talked about how it didn't used to rain from the skies, but water would come up from beneath the land to water the to water the earth. It would it would bubble up. You know, maybe bad weather's gone. You know, if rain and snow are gone, water's just bubbling up from the earth. Uh, it's not so bad. But, you know, that, that's assuming physics are going to be the same in that new reality. Like, we, we have no concept. We don't, we don't have enough to go on. We don't have enough to say exactly what things will be like. Um, but I tell you what, if some of the horrible things about the earth, such as, uh, you know, wild animals and insects that kill people or uh, weeds that we constantly have to, to fight, uh, um, you know, if some of those things are gone. And, and then the weather, right, the weather is no longer antagonistic to our existence, right? Uh, volcanoes stop trying to kill us and earthquakes stop trying to uh, bury us and, and drown us. Um, you know, if, if all those things are gone, this earth could be a pretty special place. I mean, think about it. Even if half of those things are taken care of, you know, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. I just don't get it. I, I have no idea the physics of it. Um, but if you believe in an all-loving, eternal God, he's got to be smarter about these things than we are, Right? He's got to. He's he's got to have information that we don't have. Especially, if you believe he created this world in the first place. Uh, so, yeah, um, that doesn't really address uh, everything. It's just an idea. But um, 
let's no longer pretend that our concept of heaven looks anything like uh, the kingdom of heaven that John the Baptist and Jesus and Paul preached, right? It seems so utterly different to me as to not be similar at all, and I, I don't think there's any reason uh, to continue trying to go down that road. Um, whatever heaven you believe in, the kingdom of heaven uh, is the reality of heaven on earth for us now, in this body, in this life, for this time and all time. Uh, and I actually believe the kingdom of heaven is having a profound effect on the way the world works. And it's hard to see, uh, because mostly because we see what we want to see. Right? We see what we look for. What we believe is true is usually the reality we see. And if we believe the earth is going to get worse and worse until God finally gets fed up and destroys it, then that's what we're going to see. We're going we're gonna to see the things we look for and believe. But if we believe that actually, no, things are getting better, that you know, medicine uh, is improving, that there are few hungry people in the world, there are fewer wars, fewer people killed by wars, uh, violence is less tolerated than it once was, you know, there are a lot of things that we can point to uh, in the, the conscience of the world. The conscience of the world is changing. It's getting better um, in general. Of course, there are things that happen. And those things that happen are the things that we jump on, the things that we put in the news. And those are, the, you know, that's, that's the problem with the world is that we're all believing all the bad news while not understanding that there's lots of good news happening too. There's lots of good news, um, and somebody needs to needs to be telling the good news. You know, the people who are out there, day in and day out, trying to make the world a better place in their local context. There are those people; they exist. Uh, maybe that's the kind of thing that we should start putting on the internet. The good news, right? The good people. Good is happening in the world, and it happens. In every country, there are people in every country. Um, doesn't matter what religion they adhere to or if they adhere to any religion at all, which may be impossible. But nonetheless, um, the kingdom of heaven advances. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Thanks. Bye.